0: And after a couple of hours, I think, what am I doing this? It's 19 years of this shit, and I make up my mind. That's it.
1: I'm not sure you answered my question, Max. Which one? If you had the chance, unemployed now, to walk away with a half million dollars, would you take it? Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you doing?
0: Good, motherfucker. How are you?
1: <laughs> you didn't even wait. You didn't wait. Now YouTube's gonna demonetize us. Whatever.
0: When do we get paid anyway? Don't,
1: don't say the other word, Spike Lee will get very mad if you if you say the other profound word used in this movie. <laughs> Just, just saying. Don't, don't, don't just casually drop the N word. Because if Spike Lee hears you do that, he's gonna get really mad. And then Harvey Weinstein will have to come in and try and mediate the two
0: of you. And you, will re- in in Spike, will refuse to sit down with you. That's okay. I've got an in with Bob Weinstein.
1: <laughs> Is that the other Weinstein?
0: According to the credits, yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: I can't remember the other one. I
0: know there's another one, but we all think of he Harvey. He was listed above Harvey in the credits.
1: Oh, so he's the top and Harvey's the bottom. Mm. All Alphabetically, yes. Yeah,
0: Mum? Hmm? Yes. Yes. Wait a second. Conspiracy. What if his real name's Robert? Then it's not alphabetical. Well, his real name is probably Robert,
1: yeah, and but his nickname is Bob. Maybe it was opposite day though. <sighs> uh, I'm Ryan, by the way. Never been stated yet. Hello. I did say it, but I but, said
0: motherfucker before it, so oh,
1: that got washed away. I'm motherfucker Ryan, and and your your ba- baby boy Bartek.
0: I'm starting to doubt whether I actually said it, but I'm going to go. I don't it anyway. think he did,
1: and I think <laughs> I think that's fine. I think I
0: said good motherfucker. How are you?
1: Yeah. So uh, that is our show, and thank you for <laughs> listening. I uh, know, in all seriousness, we are. We are hosting Pictures Power. We are not Pictures Power. We are spit and polish hosting and presenting to you Pictures Power. The original PP. We're the only PP that matters. Mm-hmm. Why are you laughing? <laughs> uh, because if Julio ever listens to this, he'll get really upset. Julio from the Contrarians because they host a segment on their podcast called PP which is their Patreon pitch, and I say to them, "We're the original PP. Oh, I
0: thought Mm. you were just being funny.
1: No, 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 I'm really mad. (laughs) I'm really mad. And I said to Julio one time, you know, it really upsets me because Bartek actually came up with calling it PP on our show. And, And Julio said to me, well, I didn't hear Bartek say that. And so, we have it in recording. We have it in recording. We have it in me,
0: like coming up with the original less good name, and then saying, "Like I also thought of Pictures Power," and you're like, "That is better. That
1: is better." <laughs> but no, specifically PP, uh, where we talk about movies that have come
0: recommended. Welcome to at the DVD player.
1: <laughs> that was that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so because it's
0: like at the movies with Roger Ebert, who used to be our running joke villain. <laughs> was he's still my fucking villain, bro?
1: I I am um, am um, I am here to talk to you today, Bartek, and you are here to talk to me about the film you recommended. What yeah. film did you pitch for Pictures Pow Wow? That's uh,
0: three piece. P- Ooh. Mm. I kind of wish the film had a pin The title. Packy Prown. <laughs> <laughs> Packy Prown. Uh, we've we've picked. Uh, I've picked. Sorry. Uh. Quentin Tarantino's Packy Pound, uh, Jackie Brown from 1997, I believe.
1: Nah, yeah, yeah, I imagine so. I didn't, I didn't write the year down off the top of my head, but I think it's the late 90s, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's his third film, I believe.
1: Yes, and uh, so if people, you have not given Jackie Brown a watch before, we recommend you do. It is a Tarantino movie, so there are certain things to expect, but also it's very different for him. It's uh, his only time where he's doing a proper adaptation Mm -hmm. of a piece of work. So there are some differences, there are certain Tarantino-isms, but also some of them aren't there. So uh, give it a watch for yourself and see how you go, and then you can come back and hear us talk about it, because we're going to get into all the nitty-gritty details. So my history with Jackie Brown is this was the elusive Tarantino film, the one that nobody in my corner of the world talked about. It was always... Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill... Yeah, 2, and on and on. And and, then Inglourious Basterds, and on and on we go. And then there was always... oh There's this one called Jackie Brown. Is that good? Oh, yeah. Just... It's fine. Yeah, it's alright. Jackie Brown's fine. And I didn't watch it for the longest time. I just didn't know anyone who had a copy of it. It was never on TV, like his other movies. I just... Mm. Really, it was the film that just escaped me. And... I would still say this is true, that none of it, to me, has that uh, influence on pop culture like his other films do. Like, in each one of his other films, there's, like, that line or that character or that scene it do- it does that has have really have... cemented itself.
0: When I was looking stuff up about it afterwards, there is one line in particular that seems to be relatively popular, but it's not one that I've necessarily heard, you know, a million times or could immediately say, like... Oh, yeah, Sam Jackson said that in Jackie Brown.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The one about the AK-47. Oh, I guess. Again. Yeah. It's a a good line. I mean, all of his lines are good
0: lines. That's true. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's hard to narrow it down, but eventually I got my hands on a copy of Jackie Brown, I gave it a watch, and I thought it was very nice. That's the weirdest thing to say is I watched a Tarantino movie and I thought it was very sweet. Like, that was nice it was it was cute even it has the Tarantinoisms. you know we have criminals and people making plays and uh, all the quippy dialogue but i was really drawn into the romantic story at the center of this or the romantic attraction and the character work. When I think of Tarantino's character work, what I really think of is the quippy lines and the genre architectural work that he archetypes that he plays with. Yeah. Uh, rather than actual like them feeling like people, people. While well, these people did feel for the most part like people, people, uh, especially our, our main two. Uh yeah, and I watched it again today. I I think I've seen this is my third time watching it. Mm-hmm. And I had a wonderful time. I watched it earlier today. It was a great morning uh to afternoon movie. And I this is the first time seeing it after having watched once upon a time in Hollywood, which I would say this is most uh like that that one compares to this one quite a lot in terms of there isn't like a strict adherence to the plot. It is really seeing these characters hang out and do things. And there is a plot that is at play, but it isn't as uh, dependent on that as his other films are. So that's my overall uh, journey with this. What about you? Why why Jackie Brown also? Why, why Jackie Brown out of all the Tarantinos? Because we haven't done a Tarantino, have we? No, we
0: haven't. So We said it last week, we've only seen him as an actor.
1: That's correct. So, why Tarantino's Jackie Brown, and what's your relationship with it?
0: Um, so, those two questions are related. Um, back in year 11, I did, uh, in Victoria, you have to do uh, a specific, one of three or four English subjects for VCE. Um, that's basically the last two years of high school. Um, and I picked literature, which is the one about mostly reading texts and mm. analyzing them, so you don't do all of the things in the scope of uh, English. And I cannot remember the reason why, because it's been 12 years, but we analyzed the film Jackie Brown at one point. Mm. Maybe it's because it's ad- adapted from a book, but yeah. I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, we watched Jackie Brown. And I remember, because you know periods can only be so long, I meaning classes- um we didn't watch it all in one mm. uh sitting. Uh, we watched it over multiple classes and I had missed some of the classes, so I didn't see certain parts of the film. And so I went out of my way to buy a DVD copy of it at the time. I went to Borders bookstore in Chadston. Really? Yeah. You
1: you didn't go to your other DVD store of choice?
0: No, I didn't. I went to Borders Bookstore in Chadston.
1: Do you think your, your Indian uh, DVD store of choice would have had a copy of Jackie <laughs> Brown, but with some uh, some dubbing over it
0: or some subs? They would spell Jackie differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so I bought that and I remember watching it uh, just on my own um, and not really having too much of an opinion of it because I had seen some Tarantino films up to that point. Um, I think maybe you, like you, well, you it sounded like you'd at least heard of it. For me, I didn't hear about it, so it was just introduced to me as like, oh, this is another one of his films, but one that's not talked about as much. Um, and so because I did watch it, you know, in this kind of weird way, um, and it was for school, basically, like, I never really walked away from it thinking of it as a complete product. It was just mm-hmm. something that I saw as part of a class.
1: You never got to meet the film on its terms. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it basically kind of felt like homework in a way. Mm. And I remember, oh, well, it wasn't really like Pulp Fiction or one of the other bombastic films, so it was just one that exists. But I, ha- I have had the DVD this entire time, and then over the past 12 years, I feel like I heard in multiple places, like... Uh, online when watching videos and people would be chatting about you know certain topics Tarantino's a big director so he would come up multiple times mm-hmm. and I feel like a common sentiment that I kept hearing in all these places was oh yeah he also had that film Jackie Brown which most people aren't into but I actually think it's really good and you know I heard all this positive sentiment to the film um one which you know I had seen technically but didn't fully appreciate um, but when thinking objectively about it, there were all these elements that were interesting. So it was an inevitable thing that one day I am gonna rewatch it. Mm. Um, and even though I hadn't been thinking about it for a long time doing it on the podcast, just something sparked in my head the other week where I thought, why not just pick it for Pictures Powerwow? Then mm-hmm. we can you know have a chat about it chat and about it. get deep into it.
1: Uh, well, let's get in. I mentioned at the end of last episode that, uh, one of our lead actors here, Robert, Robert, uh, Forster, was, uh, in Mulholland Drive. He was also in Twin Peaks The Return, of course. He was Frank Truman. Mm-hmm. He was the replacement Truman in that. And, uh, he was a great actor. He passed away a couple of years ago. And I even mentioned that he was in Better Call Saul and, and Breaking Bad. And I and I actually had to re-look him up. I looked him up while watching the film. And I, I really did forget that in Better Call Soul Breaking Bad... He's in one episode each of those shows. So he mm. had two episodes, and yet if you asked any fan of those shows, they would tell you, oh, yeah, that character, he is so good. Yeah, I, on but his... He's really in a minu- like really minuscule amount of those shows.
0: Yeah, I, on his Wikipedia page, like the first paragraph, which gives you just basic on who this guy is, it mentioned like, oh, he was also, like, Ed was in mm. that character's name in... Breaking Bad and Medical Souls, I thought, like, oh, you know, he's probably a big character and read somewhere else, like, oh, he was just, like, a very small part of it.
1: He is very pivotal to certain outcomes in the end of the show, because yep. he appears at the end of Breaking Bad, and he basically serves as one of Saul Goodman's many contacts and uh, that he has in his, you know, in his, uh, in his uh, Rolodex of weirdos, and he's... This guy, the seemingly normal, I'm just a vacuum cleaner repairman. But obviously there's more going on. Uh, But I want to discuss him first because you do some reading on this film. You look at it. He got an Academy Award nomination. And the film is, although called Jackie Brown, to me, he's the heart of the film. Mm. I love... This is probably my favorite Tarantino like character in a Tarantino film. I love him so much that performance is so natural, which is not a phrase you often use for the performances in a Tarantino film. Would you agree with that? Naturalism?
0: I guess yes since I've already used The term bombastic, there are. You wouldn't say Sam
1: Jackson's ever giving a naturalistic performance in any Tarantino
0: film, would you? No, especially in this one, which you know is paying homage to black exploitation, where yeah, you got to play into some very energetic tropes or performances.
1: But uh, Robert Robert forster even though his character is playing a. Up, uh, up on some of those tropes and those archetypes in certain films. His performance, and I would also say Pam Grier's performance, just come across as real people in a wild circumstance. While you have other people like Chris Tucker, Sam Jackson, Michael Keaton, they're giving wacky, over the top type of Tarantino things even robert de niro is giving a different type of performance than you would expect him to when mm. you hear robert de niro in a tarantino film but i i just can't help but be drawn to that that performance robert foster's performance and pam greer's but his performance specifically because he just he just is so sweet but mm. still true to the character we meet the guy who just he does his job he's really good at his job and he's a a quiet type but he he can fuck you up if he wants to but he never has to he
0: feels very comfortable in the role yeah
1: yeah this is one of those if you found out that he is just like this in real life you're not surprised one of the trivia facts i read was it was his idea to mention the the hair yeah because that was (laughs) true that's what he went through and that was probably my favorite scene in the movie is just them talking to each other about what it was like to be young and how do they feel about themselves now physically and just the differences between the two of them
0: yeah when he was saying that line it it did very much feel again to go back to that word natural like he was giving an anecdote so there was Mm. like a slight uh twist to his performance during that one particular exchange Mm. yeah it was it was really interesting i enjoyed him as well he was yeah, I use the word comfortable. Like whenever he was on screen, it just felt like, even though this is a film, you know, playing into black exploitation homages, and there are you know very record using numbers of swear words apparently in the film. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, the most yeah. motherfuckers Sam Jackson's ever given. Um, <clears throat> whenever he was on screen, it just felt like, oh, this is this is a scene for him, mm. and this is a scene where that you're going to enjoy him being him, kind of thing. Yeah, just all the scenes of him like driving while the Delphonics play, things like that.
1: <laughs> or I uh, adored when Sam Jackson first meets him, and he's looking at his office, and he notices all the pictures. Of uh, of a uh, tiny lister, we could see him again. Uh, we've had him a couple of times recently with mm-hmm. Fifth Element and Next Friday. Yeah, I mentioned to you in those episodes like oh, hey, this is an actor that's been in like a ton of things, and here we are within a short succession of time. We've seen him in a ton of things on the pod, but seeing pictures of him and Sam Jackson commenting on those, and just Robert Foster doesn't need to use the snappy dialogue to give a retort back. He just has that face just uh when sam jackson says uh, uh I bet it was your idea to take that fi- picture and hang it up on the wall huh and just robert Forster doesn't need to say anything he just he did that look in his eyes is all you need to shut sam jackson the fuck up and that's just <laughs> great because sam jackson doesn't shut up in this movie <laughs> he's constantly yabbering on and it's it's great but uh yeah i just thought that um For a Tarantino film, this does really feel off the beaten path. And I do wonder if it is the fact that this is an adaptation of a pre-existing piece of work. And so that means there's a certain amount of confines he has to put himself in. While in his other works, he can do the whole mentioning the specific brand of drink they're having and the foot stuff and constantly talking about books they've read and, oh, this TV show and, oh, this music. Like, we still get some of that here, but it feels, at least to my eyes, uh, feels way more in the distance than it is in his others.
0: It feels like when it does go into that, it's very much... <clears throat> Confined to the scenes where it happens, like the first scene with Samuel L. Jackson, where he's watching the Chicks with Guns show, <laughs> Guns show, and he's making a lot of pop culture reference, like, oh yeah, I sell a lot of this gun because of this film, mm. you know, things like that. And uh, obviously, there's a couple of scenes where music's a big topic. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't feel you know spread all throughout.
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel as much of a crutch as it can be in some of his other movies. Uh, yeah, but, um, do you, like, um, so how are you with Tarantino overall nowadays? Like, have you seen many of his movies? How do you feel about him as a filmmaker?
0: Um, I think there's only a couple of his films that I haven't seen. I haven't seen The Kill Bills, and I haven't seen, uh, what's the one with the number in it? The, the, the uh, that's the Adam Sandler Hateful one. Eight? Hateful Eight, that's the one. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, I haven't seen those Oh, it's three, isn't it? Because there's two Kill Bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think in terms of the main releases, those are the only ones I haven't seen. Mm.
1: You have seen Death Proof?
0: No. Okay, that's another one. Man.
1: That's a good one. That's a that's one that people don't like as much, but I I have a good time with it. It's 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 fun. Yeah, but funny. I've
0: I've seen you know a lot of them. I saw Inglorious Bastards and. Uh, Django? Django Unchained, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in cinema. Mm-hmm. Which that, those were all fun experiences. Oh, yeah. i um, actually seen Inglourious Bastards many times, because my stepbrother really, really likes it, and sometimes he comes over, we just watch it.
1: Oh, it's a captivating film. <laughs> it is. Especially
0: yeah. that opening scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and honestly, on repeat viewings, it really holds up
1: oh yeah yeah that one he was firing firing on all cylinders uh for me and it's got brad pitt been fun mm, it does uh so you're a fan of his overall you would say like there's some you haven't seen but overall you're positive on him
0: yeah yeah if i'm gonna see something and you know he's directed it there's a certain expectation like okay so it's gonna be a good time at the very least
1: yeah, I'm a fan as well. Uh, Reservoir Dogs is my personal favourite out of his. I think Pulp Fiction's his best movie, as do many people. Uh, it's probably the one that will cement his career forever. Most likely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, I, I do tire of him a little bit from time to time. I do think his movies have gotten uh, unwieldy uh, too long, some of them. This movie has always been daunting as well because it is two and a half hours, Mm. uh, practically, and that's always been a daunting thing too. Uh, I do think that we have become a little bit desensitized to that type of runtime now with every movie being that long, uh, practically again. Uh, So that is less of a hurdle. But I, I find Tarantino to be infuriating at times because I think he's a really good uh filmmaker storyteller definitely but he does rely on too many of his touchstones and too many of his bits recur too blatantly for my taste like at this point when i see women's feet in his movies i get taken out of it because it's just so obnoxious to me and it was you're you're pulling out the
0: checklist like there we are
1: (laughs) yes and some of those are just too much for me hence i do like jackie brown because a lot of those are pulled back Yes, there's some of it that's very upfront, like the use of language, uh, specifically racial slurs. I know some people really get up in arms about how Tarantino uses that. I it's don't... a spiky topic, yeah. It's a spiky Lee topic, yeah. And uh, I don't as much. I do understand the criticisms there, but uh, I don't know. I think he's fun. Um, and ja- Jackie Brown's interesting, too, because of the... He was at the height here of, or even I would say the eye of the storm of violence in your movies, Tarantino. How do you explain that? This is right before the because it's so much fun, Jan uh, mm-hmm. moment, which is in reference to Kill Bill, where here he unpurposely makes the violence off screen or lessened. Or darkened. And darkened, and it hits really well. Like,. One of the scenes I have forever remember from Jackie Brown where the violence really punctuated the joy of the movie in a superb way is when Robert De Niro just loses it and he just grabs out his gun and just shoots the chick twice and just walks off and Mm. still, like, there it is. See, this is what I said it would be. Uh," And just then how that cavil, uh, how that, um, how that proceeds to go on with Robert De Niro's character and when he's explaining it to Sam Jackson. Yeah, that explanation scene. And then how he goes out as well. And, and,
0: yeah, I was going to say, the the fact that we don't see that death makes his confusion when he's explaining it to Sam Jackson feel a lot more real because, Mm. like... Maybe if we saw it, we could confirm, like, oh, yeah, she'd definitely be dead from that. But we I thought he shot her in, like, the feet or something. Yeah. But the feet. The, I meant the legs, but I've got Tarantino on the brain. The n- uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we saw a lot of her feet. Yeah, I, I assumed he shot low enough that he wouldn't have killed her, but, mm. yeah, he did.
1: It was really quick, sudden, to the edge of the frame, very well done. But it is such a... Unhinged moment that it does stick with you, but in terms of the visual language that you got shown, it isn't as overt as his other films at that time had been, and his films in the future will be. Mm. This isn't uh, uh Django grabbing the whip and whipping the guy <laughs> and then grabbing and shooting him and doing all of that. Um, yeah, mm.
0: we, we do see a lot of the blood from Robert De Niro though, we in- do on the windscreen
1: on the windscreen that's exactly right it's on the windscreen it's not like shooting Leonardo DiCaprio in the heart and he's a little flower and then the flowers pissing blood out of
0: it or Phil Lamar in the back of the head
1: oh what about in Django Unchained where the Leonardo DiCaprio's sister character is alive and they shoot her so hard that she flings into another room (laughs) like they clearly put wires on the actress and just launched her back I mean I kind of had that's one of the most gratuitously ludicrous ones because because she, like, pisses blood as she goes out. It's it's so hilarious. (laughs) If
0: it's the one that I'm thinking of, like, where he gets shot from the top of the stairs and Mm -hmm. they fly backwards, like, that Mm. misdirection, I was kind of reminded of that with the um, Robert De Niro scene, because, like, he gets shot from the side and the blood comes out the Mm -hmm. front, and, like, for a second I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, it still would, wouldn't it? I guess it would, yeah.
1: Ah, uh, so, Chris Tucker was here, mm-hmm. uh, it I was funny to see him again, I was like, hey look, it's Chris Tucker, before he we went all Christian, he wouldn't have made a movie like this. I was thinking that, yeah. <laughs> thinking we still haven't that. seen him in Friday. No, no, one day we'll see Friday, but one, not today. One day
0: we'll see it, last of the trilogy.
1: What was it like to see Chris Tucker in this? Because to me, he's the one
0: element that was like, oh! He's the fifth element. Yeah, when but, you yeah. see him when you see him in the credits and it's like, and Chris Tucker as Beaumont, it was like, ooh, special <laughs> role. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You might as well have said
0: and introducing Chris Tucker <laughs> <laughs> his special
1: guest, Chris Tucker. I I thought it was really cool to see him again because again, this film also other than Sam Jackson, it isn't relying on all of the returning cast members that Tarantino likes to have. There's, like, most of this cast of actors we don't get to see again in Tarantino movies, so it makes it feel even more unique. Like, mm. we don't get Tucker or Chris Tucker in another one or De Niro in another one or yeah. Pam Greer, not but I remember.
0: Yeah, when I was looking at the front cover of the DVD, like, I other than Pam Greer and Samuel L. Jackson, I didn't really remember anyone else who was in it, so I saw... The edge of the or the corner of the box, like Robert De Niro. I'm like, oh, really?
1: Mm. And then when
0: I saw him, I'm like, of course. And Michael Keaton. Mm, Michael Keaton too. Yeah.
1: Apparently, he plays this character again in another film. Yeah,
0: I read that in the trivia as well. Uh, I mean, good for him. <laughs> good he for was him. he was
1: fun. He was another one that was fun. I liked uh, Michael Keaton being a, a, a just a, a stern but also Michael Keatney type.
0: Yeah, cop. he was mean whitey
1: mean whitey not
0: that whitey but like black exploitation like, oh, oh I
1: thing. understood what you were saying not that whitey <laughs> not,
0: not that whitey <laughs> not the one from 8 Crazy Nights Ryan
1: do the voice
0: uh, what should I say uh,
1: <laughs> motherfucker obviously motherfucker he <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Sam Jackson when he gets real hyper pitched oh man Sam Jackson What a role. I often forget how much I love his performance in this, because to me, his role in Pulp Fiction is as Jules is my favorite of uh, his performances in his entire career, but I look at him here and I'm just questioning, I'm like, damn, Sam Jackson is top tier here.
0: I remembered that he was the villain and that obviously he was the antagonist, because um, I do remember in that literature class, the teacher was talking about how, like, oh, it's subverted that he's the villain because you know he he dies in such an anticlimactic way, mm. things like that.
1: And also, he's really kind of
0: funny. Rather. You literally said my next point. I completely forgot how funny he is in this film. Mm-hmm. Like when he's he's got like the big Tarantino, you know, uh, pop culture thing. Like I mentioned with the chicks with guns, like the AK forty seven line, mm-hmm. which supposedly is the iconic line. Um, you know, referencing, oh, Peter, I got so much money selling this gun because of this film, mm-hmm. because of this reason, and then another thing like that. Um, Yeah, he's got all the, the, the funny swear words to mm-hmm. hear him say, uh, his dynamic with, uh, you know, One Scene Wonder, Beaumont.
1: Or oh, even De Niro, the dynamic with him throughout the whole entire film, where yeah. he sees him almost as like this... I don't even know how to describe their relationship. Almost like his young, dumb brother that he has to look after. And one of the touches I thought was hilarious. I I laughed a lot during it, which is when Pam Greer comes to his house, Robert De Niro's on the couch there and they're like, "Uh, we need to talk about this thing. And, we've got to go out there right now on the porch outside and they just close the glass door but you can still hear everything they're yelling (laughs) about and Robert De Niro's just sitting there like All right, I'm here. I can hear this, but I'm just bobbing along, going okay, yeah. And then they open the screen, they open the glass door anyway. And Sam Jackson's like offering her drinks. (laughs) I was laughing a lot during this because I'm remembering also this character, the Sam Jackson character, is supposed to be this intimidating foe. Where earlier he put on his gloves and he was about to choke her in the dark, and he has a gun, but then he gets disarmed really easily in that in that sequence, and he's made to look like a fool. But since you've got a great performer here, the character remains to be an intimidating, villainous threat, but also one where you want to just hang out with them and just chill with them and have a laugh at what they've got to say. And you need a talented actor to ride the balance of tones being played in the character, or else you could lean to one note or one-dimensional or false. And Sam Jackson is... He's fantastic at that throughout his entire career. That's why you get stupid movies like Snakes on a Plane, say. Where Snakes on a Plane is terrible. But it works because, what makes it work is because you got Sam Jackson as the guy. As your fucking lead dude there saying, you know, these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. And he's the type of actor who can be a dramatic person but play up to those campy silly exploitative things that are also inherent in movies
0: Mm. there's a lot of yeah also fun reveals like you just said they're like oh at sam jackson's house but it's not even his house yeah but the way that he's introduced and the way that we're introduced to the uh the late the i forget her name yeah. But, but the the girl who actually owns the house and works for him—it's like, oh, this is their house and they're a couple, and mm. you know they have this bickering thing. But then it's revealed later on—it's like, no, it's her house and she's not my girl. Yeah, you slept with her, but you thought it was my girl. You know, she's
1: just my little surfer girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a trivia point that said that in the fridge, there's a picture of him naked in a bathtub. Good. So like, I didn't notice that, but you know, that, that just adds another little funny element. Like, mm. oh was a naked picture of me in the bathtub.
1: <laughs> yeah, but earlier like one point in the movie when he's like uh telling his address, like this is where I live, and it's like, is that an apartment or a house? It's like, it's a house, baby. And <laughs> then you cut to it and it's just it's her place. And uh yeah. Uh Sam Jackson though, we're big fans of him. We've all I think it's kind of rare to meet somebody who isn't a a fan, or, or have appreciated some of his work over the years, because he has been in basically everything. Mm. Like I know for you, if we want to, you know, get it out of the way now, he was in GTA, wasn't he? He, yeah, yeah, he was in and San Andreas. Andreas. He was in San Andreas, and over the years, you've mentioned him in San Andreas. You're like, oh yeah, he was in San Andreas, and he, he was fun. He was good. He's a good actor.
0: He was doing Samuel Jackson, but voice acting.
1: Yeah, but he's a good voice actor. Yes, he is. He so is, it yeah. works. Because, I mean, we recently watched Afro Samurai and like he's fun. He's very fun in that. Mm. He gets to play up two of the Sam Jackson personas. The one that's all squawky and over the top and the more silent badass type. you got to be both. Uh, but what did you think of Sam Jackson a little bit more here? Like, he, he, do you think it was a, a bit of a different turn for him? Because also visually, he's very different looking than you may expect for Sam Jackson to be this hard-ass gangster guy. Because he got like long hair and the long goatee braided, like the and little rat taily yeah, goatee. It's yeah, it's a lot of
0: a lot. I don't know. It it felt again. I was I was surprised by the fact that he was so funny and so I guess. A sort of performance that you might expect from Sam Jackson, in a way. You know, he's got the the, the sort of lines that he would deliver. Um, He's playing into the homage that the film's going for. Um, It was, yeah, just a really fun thing. And I I, I know that when I was reading the trivia, it mentioned an interview from Tarantino quote where it was like, I made this film to feel like kind of like a hangout film where, Mm -hmm. like, the more times you watch it, the more you'll, you know, like it more, Mm -hmm. which I guess applies for me since my first viewing wasn't really a proper viewing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, the fact that we have a villain like this in a film that wants to be this kind of hangout film where it's all about, like, the character interactions, it you might you might say that like elements of Sam Jackson don't quite feel intense enough, but they're really appropriate for that effect, and that mm. effect is the strength of this film to feel like you mm. want to spend time with these characters,
1: yeah, intensity is often an aspect of Sam Jackson's acting that I think about, even in films like Coming to America, where he's like a one scene wonder in that. Uh, Have you seen *Coming to America*? Yes, and you remember him in that he, and he's fucking intense. Like he's really hardcore in that, and you get that obviously in other uh, Tarantino movies with Sam Jackson. He's got a real like unbridled rage and intensity. Those eyes just pierce through the screen, and you'd expect here where he is the un like unabashed villain of the film mm-hmm. you would expect that to be way more present in his performance but it really isn't it's really not there but what is there is 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 interesting because you expect all of that you expect that of him but instead what we get is uh a guy who's just as the film wants. A guy who's just hanging out. Just A lot of the scenes are just him with no shirt, like a shirt unbuttoned and just drinking a drink and just drink chilling Drinking a screwdriver. Out, drinking a screwdriver and commenting, commenting on like, wow, this place is nice. I want to visit here more <laughs> often. And just, he's very jovial. And he, But Sam Jackson can lean in and do the quiet and I'm articulating every word I'm saying right now to be intimidating, but you don't get the reading the bible verse type energy like you do in pulp fiction
0: from him here not really yeah. he, he's he got an analytical mind in the film like when he was explaining why he killed uh, the chris tucker character to someone mm-hmm. uh yeah you know, at first it's like oh he's ruthless but then like he outlined like step by step like this is why i killed him it's because mm-hmm. he's nervous he would say anything and so i paid to get him out of jail so i can get rid of him permanently that kind of thing and then later on, when he's in De Niro's final scene, you know, there's just the moment where he's like quiet, thinking. Mm. You don't hear anything for like five seconds, and he's like, "It was Jackie Brown," and it's like he's mm. figured out the the plot. Basically. Yes,
1: I was going to actually mention that was my favorite scene of him in the film was when he's silent. You see his brow moving, and you can see the cogs in his head trying to figure out what is happening here and that was my favorite thing because again with this actor paired up with this director you often think about the dialogue that he speaks and he speaks a lot of dialogue as i said he doesn't he like he 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 talks a lot in the movie and a lot of funny lines mm-hmm. but what was really memorable to me was the lack of lines in moments from him the the posture the facial expressions the the body language, and just the overall sense of uh, uh, dread that would come from him when he wasn't speaking. And he and he's doing these uh, type of acting things that we often don't get to see Sam Jackson embrace as much because even in big films like, say, the Avengers movies, Nick Fury is just, you know, it's Sam Jackson doing the things that you want him to do, but he doesn't get to say, motherfucker. And, them, he yeah you know, he just gets to be you know, Sam Jackson and he does all the things that you know. There are certain things we've talked about this so many times over the years on the podcast. There are uh, actors who do certain things and you want them to do those things because they're really fucking good. Yeah, Here, which is why
0: Mace Windu has always been a bit of a critical point.
1: <laughs> oh, I actually completely forgot he did Mace Windu because it's so, so boring. <laughs>
0: there are so many times in this episode, it's like he always does this, this, this. And I was just thinking like, oh, Mace Windu. <laughs>
1: And it was a failure because they replaced it with nothing. Here, the movie embraces those things we like about Sam Jackson, but, again, pushes them to the side for a good portion and gives us something else. So I liked his character. I thought he was very good. And even though Sam Jackson was a villain in uh, uh, GTA uh, San Andreas, Mm Mm-hmm. His character here felt like he would be a villain in a Saints Row game. That's how he felt to Yes,
0: me. yeah, that's a good point. Right? Yeah. I
1: was thinking that about that a lot. I was like, this would have been a great Saints Row character. Because those games have a certain, uh, uh, I don't know, they've got an anarchic sense of humor, but they've uh, also got a more vibe chilling out tone to them than I would say GTA. Yeah, and and
0: the earlier ones definitely are mostly focused on like gangs and like, you know, quirks Mm. in these gangs. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he would have been like great in Saints Row 2.
0: Yeah, 2 or 1. Yeah, Mm. he'd fit there. Yeah, his his GTA character was more like his Lakeview Terrace character, a cop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Lakeview Terrace, another one, but it's like Sam Jackson giving us the loud, wild, intense energy we all love to see from him. <laughs> And it was great because in that, he's a cop. So he's a good guy (laughs) being allowed to do these things. Like, he is the badge of a good guy here. He's a criminal. So
0: you go... It it was fun to see some of his insecure moments in this film. Like, when Jackie Brown was explaining to him, like, oh, this is what I told the cops. And it's like, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that much information being given.
1: Or when Robert De Niro is explaining why he had to kill uh, kill his girl. And he's just (laughs) like, he couldn't have just, like, punched her in the mouth. And Robert De Niro being well, yeah,
0: yeah, but it just didn't come to me, all right? Like, this is what happened, and it's too late now. When I I was reading the trivia about Robert De Niro, how he originally wasn't too happy with the role because he starts off not saying much and mumbling... You really do get the sense in the film that, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that performance is building up, building Mm. up, because he does become a lot more energetic throughout the whole thing, to the point that, like, in his last few scenes, like, it's honestly kind of stressful watching him, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Like, the lead-up to him killing the girl, like, the way that she was, uh, it was Bridget Fonda, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh...
1: Melanie, wasn't
0: it? Melanie, that's it. Yes, mm. uh, the way Melanie was talking to him in that car park scene is mm. just like every single line. I'm like, oh, those are perfectly infuriating for this <laughs> level of stress that he's feeling right now. Like, I this is not going to end well. I don't know. I don't remember if he like punches her or shoots oh, no. her, but like mm. this scene's not ending well.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, talking about masterful filmmaking intention, the keep cutting back to that department store the way they keep coming to the different characters points of view on that moment mm. where you get it first off from Jackie's point of view. We're so in her shoes that we don't even realize that De Niro was there and Forrester was there. And we, we don't even see Melanie's face. We just see her feet because we're so got these blinders on and with, with, with Jackie and Hers is a deception as well because we have that whole sequence where she's frantically looking around and running around, and then at the end, she calls out for Michael yeah. Keaton. You're like, Oh, this is okay. She's not actually that's she's 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 playing up, yeah, the stress of it all. Okay, fine. And then when we cut to De Niro and Melanie, and just how the, like these absolute fuck ups just they're running late <laughs> they're yelling and they're like Very overtly making themselves known in the store. And (laughs) one of
0: them's way too easygoing, the other is just so agitated. (laughs) Yeah, and you get, oh, hey, look, there's Robert Frost over
1: there. And he gives a little, like, eh? Yeah, and
0: going back to- A little
1: little, uh, gesture?
0: Yeah, and going back to Robert Forster, just, like, how comfortable his whole section is when not much even really happens in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, even when he has his cover blown- He doesn't seem that phased by it. He's just like, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I'm dressed like (laughs) Kiryu.
1: And I just want to say, too, Robert De Niro's wonderful in this. And I I do wish that him and Tarantino got on better because I would have loved to have seen De Niro in more Tarantino movies. He's a great actor. We all know this. And. A part of the De Niro charm, even now when he's doing these stupid movies that are made for him to be able to pay taxes or divorce settlements or whatever. Those, like, war with grandpa movies. He has a face. Just, when it gives you that look, the De Niro stare, that that stare down, it is uncomfortable like when you see the robert foster like i like i think it's pov shoulder maybe just over the shoulder and it pans around to seeing that robert de niro has noticed him in the store yeah it's a terrifying look to see just that that, that the, those eyes and that brow and that nose just looking at you with this look of what the fuck are you doing here but robert foster's character is just like he's you know He's cool as ice. Just, yep, that's all. He doesn't need to say anything. Just, hey, And just walks off. Plays it real calm and
0: casual. I thought he... Yeah, yeah he, do, he doesn't even walk over. He's just waiting for his yeah, no, yeah, like do. He gives him a little
1: little gesture, and then yeah. he kind of, like, turns, turns around away, and kind yeah. of a, inspects a thing around the yeah. corner. I, I'm just doing my own thing here. Don't, I'm, don't, don't mind mi- me. Don't mind me. Yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> mind me. And he almost... Like, he basically does. He's just like, okay. Then when he explains to Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson's like, what the fuck do you mean he was there? (laughs) I like also, I always say this when I listen to other people criticize, say, TV shows or movies, and they give the criticism of something, and I go, well, the characters don't know that. So I don't think sometimes there's some forms of criticism where it's not fair because it's like, well, you can't criticize the character for that because they don't know that. Here they do that wonderfully, where Sam Jackson is criticizing Robert De Niro, and he's like, "How? I don't know that. Like, I don't know him very well. Like, he doesn't. Have this, he has no context for
0: for anything going on, but Sam Jackson does. Yeah, it's it's the opposite of the Tommy Tricker thing from last week, where it's like, "Well, they don't know that he's after the thing they have. Why are they mm. running away from Tommy?" <laughs>
1: and. Oh, that 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 whole scene of the department store and she's trying on the suit and she's just such a badass. She's just—it's
0: Pam Grier. It's Pam Grier. Yeah, she's in this film, by the
1: way. Star of the Brady Bunch film, Pam Grier. Oh, she wasn't that, wasn't she? She was the principal. Yeah. She was the principal, wasn't she? Yeah, she was the principal. Yeah. And, I was uh, thinking, like, we had her in something, right? RuPaul was uh, the the, the counselor.
0: Yeah, counselor. So uh, yeah. there was someone.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Pam Greer. Yeah, yeah. I think Pam Greer is in Brady Bunch or Jawbreaker. I think it's Jawbreaker. Uh, I know for a fact, in, I think Jawbreaker, Pam Greer shows up, and her one condition was that she got to wear her own wigs. She's like, I'm not using you because yeah, women in most movies or shows are wearing wigs or. Or extensions or hair pieces just because it's easier to maintain that especially for you know some for, for black women they have a you know certain things that hair is a big deal and there's lots of great stories that people can look into about like many uh you know african-american actresses talking about the injustice and horrors of how their hair have been done in movies because of like white hair stylists doing yeah. it and just the mismanagement of it and so you have someone like pam grier who's been in the industry for how long she's been in it for what feels like since you know like yeah from the 60s and 70s probably and so she's she comes to a point in her career she's like the only thing i need is just i do my own hair <laughs> and you go you're pam grier you could do whatever you want how familiar are you with pam grier
0: um i know who it is when you mention it but then when it comes to like saying what she'd been in i think i'd blank out at that point
1: I understand, because she is a titan and a legend of certain types of film, your black exploitations. Yeah, Foxy Brown, things like that. Foxy Brown, yes. And she obviously got a big career boost from this film and got to, you know-
0: She and Robert Forster basically had the revitalization thing, like like, uh, Travolta, Travolta, yeah.
1: Or Harvey Keitel in uh, Reservoir Dogs. yeah. And uh, and that, you got to give Tarantino that he 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 gives these actors these these character actors these these beautiful actors the ability to bounce up again, and she's excellent here. Jackie Brown is a wonderful character again. Wonderful, beautiful, great is the descriptions I would use for many of the characters in this film.
0: Yeah, I. I... I haven't seen too many black exploitation things, so I have, you know, v- sort of vague understandings of like all the conventions in it. Obviously I've seen, you know, film reviews online of certain things from there. I've seen, seen Dolomites, seen spoofs. Um black dynamite. Yeah, so I can't quite say that I'm super familiar with it. So when I talk about how this film's homaging it, um it's only in minor ways, but because it does feel like it's in minor ways. I kind of get the sense that like these characters especially Jackie Brown and Samuel Jackson mm. the the big black leads of the film yeah. um how it almost feels like the the era that these kind of characters lived in is in their past and like you know maybe 20 years prior to this story they would have been in situations that would have just straight up been black exploitation films and this feels like a very modern uh, you know them in the current world sort of thing. So like, you know, all of their supporting characters are mostly white people. Mm. Um, almost called them Harvey Keitel, like Robert De Niro. Um, they're working. Pam Pam Greer, Jackie uh, Jackie Brown, is working in you know air hostess job where she has to be prim and proper. Mm-hmm. Um, in her interactions with Samuel Jackson versus her, you know, comfortable interactions with Robert Forster. Um, you can see she's putting on the two different personas, like the blaxploitation homage thing, yeah. and then just you know, woman who's tired, doesn't want to start a new job again, kind of thing. And it's yeah, really interesting in that sense.
1: Yes, yes. Um, so I'm just looking at. Uh, uh, I was wrong. She wasn't in the Brady Bunch movie. She was in Jawbreaker, which we have you haven't seen, but she was uh the boss in uh, Snow Day. She was uh, Chevy Chase's right, okay. news news boss okay. who was telling him to go do things. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, she is playing up these multiple sides of the character. I, again, talking about the wonderful use of silence and facial acting when she's on the phone or when she's making a a thought about how she can play this just the way her 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 lip would like jut out and her eye would twitch and just these micro expressions on her face where you can see the character struggling with these things and uh, her tapping her nails and every scene she had with Michael Keaton was also actually very good i thought those two bounced off each other really mm, well yeah where you actually had a hard time figuring out if he was being, uh, well, if he was going for the bait that she was giving. Did he know more than he was letting on? Because although yes, they tell you that in the film, like Robert Forster says, like you know, if if they see through you, they won't tell you, and then they will get you. But Michael Keaton is just that type of actor where he's he's got a certain brand of uh, bizarre quality to him where it makes him difficult to pin down with certain characters. And here I found him hard to pin down at certain points, but in a way that is suitable for the tension being built. Is he far more knowledgeable and aware? Is he going to catch them? And is he going to be someone who's going to allow them to play him so then he's actually playing them? And so every time we had a scene between Pam Greer and Michael Keaton it was just masterclass acting in which you have these actors having their characters acting upon acting in themselves i really liked when um she told michael keaton why she bought the suits <laughs> that whole scene was great and every time he like he had that whole like what felt like a minute long of him just silently being like damn, that's a good reason, and then, actually, no, 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 no. damn, that is good reason. <laughs> but she got me here, and every he was about to speak, and no, no, he cuts himself I, off because he's like, the logic works out. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have done it, but... <laughs>
0: she's not me (laughs) I agree that they do have a lot of you know back and forth moments in the film but like just that that scene made such a huge impression on me that I'm like oh no Jackie played him the whole way but yeah early on he definitely had her but
1: when he was doing the uh, marking of the bills though that was a really good scene for his character in which it reminds you like no no he's a cop he's a smart cop you do not fuck with him because they have the whole conversation of like would you be tempted like she talked about with Robert Forster and He's like doing the whole, oh yeah, slip one in my pocket, you know, then I'd have to slip one in your pocket too because we're in on it together and then they don't really know how much there is. It's like, well, it does matter to these people who I work for and that's the law. It's like, oh, (laughs) yeah. And as somebody who's had relatives who have worked in, say, the police or, or security there are those moments I've had those, but it's like, hey, would you ever do like this naughty thing and be like, "Oh man, yeah, sure I would, but of course I wouldn't though, like and they just turn <laughs> on the mode and like, Ugh. just so uh, it just puts you on edge, they were uh, trying to play you, Ryan, they're trying to play me. I um, remember very viscerally, and I'm curious to hear your takes because obviously you had a very weird relationship with this movie on your previous watch, as you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. But I remember very viscerally the scene where they took down Sam Jackson because it was so blunt. It was not that glorified, over-the-top, extravagant romanticized Hollywood eyes it was just Michael Keaton just steps out and fucking blasts him
0: and then they're like he's dead yeah I I didn't remember much of the context of the scene but I just remembered it was a shot of Samuel Jackson from behind really dark and you just see like his figure fall over Mm. like you didn't have a one-liner or anything like that it was just like boom if you get shot you're dead Real life logic kind of thing.
1: I, I did forget that the build up to the scene outside with uh, Robert Forster where he's like, if this happens, I'm going to shoot you in the head. If this happens and he's like really laying it down, like I'm in control. If anything goes out a step, like if that guy comes in, if she does this, you're, you're dead. I'm going to take somebody down with me and then... Nope, he didn't even—he didn't even get to raise his gun, <laughs> and he had plenty of time. It's like Michael Keaton doesn't just like step out and immediately fire. Like, he steps out, Sam Jackson's like, "What? What's going on here?" And then she says, "He's got a gun." He's like, "Oh, really?" And then she shoots him. It's—it's it's not the most quick exit for Sam Jackson. He had plenty of time, but he was like dumbfounded. Sam, He's like Samuel Jackson,
0: he—he he needs to take his time to process everything. He he said it And if you give him the time he will come up with a plan but he didn't have time.
1: <laughs> he said it the best which is what was it? He said I I uh, I uh, uh, I may I may have a was it uh, uh, I may have a, a a dumb a dumb ass but I'm not a dumb ass. I think he said, said something like that. Yes, okay. when he was talking to Robert Forster in uh, that place that he was hiding out at mm. and he was and and, and uh, uh, that character was giving him like oh, here's what's going on, and he's just like, I, I may have a, a dumb ass, but I'm not a dumbass, or something or other. <laughs> well, I'm, my my ass may be dumb, but I'm not a dumbass.
0: Oh, that uh, phrase, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: uh, that's his character in a nutshell. Because um, he isn't the most clever villain. That's the point. Especially his bum. <laughs> I liked uh, in that scene where uh, he had Robert Foster, and he's like, uh, sit down, sit down. Oh, huh? She doesn't even know you're here.
0: (laughs) Just this woman just drugged out of her mind. His new hangout isn't as cool as his old hangout.
1: (laughs) Anything else you want to discuss about Jackie Brown? This is your first major revisit. Anything stand out to you? Anything you want to mention or go over?
0: We've talked about all the the big performances. Um, The music... Oh yeah. This was one groovy soundtrack. It usually is, isn't it? Yeah. I remember when I was when I watched the film, you know, first time back in year year eleven, um, you know, I'd made friends with Reese and I was telling him, like, Oh yeah, we're watching, you know, Jackie Brown and like Throughout that period of time, whenever I would bring it up, he would just start singing, straight night. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I always remember that that song's in the film.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: I, it kind of surprised me when it was only in one scene because, yeah, Reese just put it in my head so hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the touch that when uh, Robert Foster's coming out of the, the, the movie theatre, the music that plays is the music that ends this film. Mm. I thought that was... A clever moment. I, I I forgot that happened. So when I saw it play here, I was like, oh, they're going to play that at the end when the credits of this start rolling. So
0: oh, that's why he was so comfortable. He just watched the film. Yeah,
1: he just he he just watched the film. He's in. He's like, hey, it's going to work out for me. Thanks, Tarantino. And then Tarantino is the voice of the answering machine. Is like, thank you.
0: <laughs> he's like, oh, that's the suit I have to wear in that scene. All right, I'll put it on. Yo,
1: you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the music was very well well done and. It was well-placed and, again, banger songs, but also songs that were romantic in nature or just had that sweet, tender sound to them. Mm. Uh, Nothing, again, too uh, elaborate or over-the-top. Just these really good... Everything
0: was complimentary.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it all clicked into place really well. And um, I recommend... Uh, Jackie Brown, for those, again, who haven't seen the film, you really got to do yourself a favour, and for those who are on the fence about Tarantino, I would say give this a watch, because it does show you a path that this director could have gone down.
0: Apparently a lot of people online describe it as, this is the Tarantino film for people that don't like Tarantino films. Okay. Interesting
1: way to describe it, but it is interesting to think about, this could have been a career defining thing where he could have gone down more roads of this of say adapting other pre-existing material and using his style to give you a certain flair that you weren't expecting with the traditional narrative structuring that the pre-existing material would give Mm. or a different narrative structuring i wouldn't say traditional in this sense because again this is a hanging out type of affair but I, I think about that a lot, because although I like what he goes on to do in his career, like, I, like you said, Inglourious Bastards is a really good time, he does have very much a, like, if you've seen a Tarantino movie, you know what you're gonna get. Mm. Like, I didn't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as much as you and other people did, because at that point, I'm like, I... I, I'm very familiar with Tarantino, I know what he's going to do, like, I remember when people were, like, flipping out and laughing about, like, the flamethrower stuff in that movie, and I was like, Egh. I knew, I mean, it was obvious to me, in a very extreme way, because it's like, Tarantino movies always end
0: like that. It was very check of gun set up, yeah.
1: And also, it's just like, if you know the filmmaker, you know he's going to have some extreme violent set piece, and uh, moments of real, like, quiet tension, and... I, like, I still like that film. It's just, I, that's one I would revisit again. Yeah. If we I, ever did on the podcast, I'd be interested to talk yeah, about I, it. At I some had point. a good
0: time with it too, but yeah, it definitely did feel familiar. But yeah. I, I didn't let that bother me as much, though.
1: Let him make his Star Trek movie, his threatened to make. <laughs> I want to where he wanted to be an R-rated Star Trek movie with just, swearing, just, yeah. and I'm like, oh god! You just
0: want more yum yum material.
1: I want oh Tarantino <laughs> getting uh, um who would he? Oh, actually, talk about Star Trek. There was a moment in this when they were in the courtroom the The judge is played by Sid Haig, mm-hmm. the the famous actor who's in a lot of rom, ro, uh, Rob Zombie material and also uh, rom coms. He was also in lots of exploitation films. Pam Greer apparently had a good laugh about that when she saw him because this is a co star of hers that she's had many times, but didn't expect him to be in this as a judge. So there was that nice rapport. But I saw the uh, the I can't remember one of the lawyers. Mm -hmm. I saw them, and I said, hey, I know her. Surely that's not her, though, because I feel like I would have seen their name in the credits. And then I looked it up on IMDb. Uncredited role to the actress Denise Crosby, who is Tasha Yar in Star Trek Next Generation, who was the character in Next Gen who gets killed in the first season because the actress didn't want to keep doing Star Trek because TNG's first season was very bad and had lots of awful behind-the-scenes production stuff, so she didn't want to spend the rest of her career as the person standing behind the captain saying, Yes, sir! But then TNG became one of the most successful shows of all time as soon as she left, so she really got fucked over. But uh, Thank you, Mike. Thank you. But uh, (laughs) she's in this, and I didn't realise that. I was like, Hey, look, it's Tasha Yar! There she is. She has no lie. I don't think she really has any lies. I think she just, like, shakes her head. But... That's why they weren't in the credits. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, sir. That is Jackie Brown. Do you recommend?
0: I do recommend it because, you know, because Tarantino's whole shtick or, or what you expect from him is so large and bombastic. I don't know that I could say that I like this more than, you know, some of the big ones like Pulp Fiction. Um, but certainly I can understand people when they say like oh this is actually a really good one because it is a very enjoyable film and definitely one that i would like to check out again because mm-hmm. if it does get better each time i had a good time this time let's have a better time next time
1: yeah and it has a top 10 sex scene in it so there
0: you go the,
1: the amazing robert, <laughs> robert de, niro de niro sex
0: scene and bridget fonda which did you read the, tri- mm-hmm. the
1: trivia? do you want to
0: share that <laughs> i was on the bus when i read that um it's said that it's he's the only actor to have had sex in a, in a film scene with both uh, the aunt and the niece, <laughs> Bridget Fonda and Jane Fonda.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. The
0: other trivia point that made me laugh, going back to the Samuel L. Jackson naked in the bath from Goodfellas photo, the trivia on IMDb made sure to point out, like... The the fact that he was naked because of course he wouldn't do it clothed.
1: Yeah, of course not.
0: <laughs> of course not. Why would he? Yeah, exactly. I had a bath today and I wasn't clothed.
1: Uh, the facts are being told about Bartek. He bathes. His name is is Bartek.
0: Bartek, yeah. Join. It's going to be my new show. <laughs>
1: ba- bath, and with Bartek. <laughs> Bart and I said Barting bar- rec- with Bartek. Yes. So I am recommending a film for next episode. Yes, yeah, a Little Two. I was looking. What was that sorry?
0: Stuart Little Two. We already said it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Stuart Little Two. We already said it before we start recording. <laughs> No, that was in
0: recording, wasn't it?
1: I don't think so, buddy. Oh, think shit. That was before we Never pressed, pressed That's Never mind. That's an in
0: joke, then, uh, sorry, guys, everyone.
1: Stuart Little 2, next episode. No, I am recommending a film that, uh, like Stuart Little 2, I've not seen. It's been in my watch list for a while. This is on uh, my Netflix watch list. So, for Australian Netflix, this is currently on there. So, Bartik, you can easily find this film for next week. It Yay. is a Turkish film. Ooh. A Turkish science. Sci-fi movie Ooh. that I was recommended by my good friend Zaki.
0: Turkish Star Wars. Uh,
1: it well, in part, it is a spoof on Star Wars. It's called uh, it's called uh, Gora. G O R A. It's 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 like it stands for something. I don't know what, but oh, it's, it's an abbreviation. Yeah, but it doesn't tell me in the t- like. I guess I have to watch the film. But, uh, Jora, Gora, Gora, uh, we'll find out next episode, uh, what that is. It's
0: almost a Polish word. What
1: is it almost a Polish word it's of? It's like,
0: Gure means like, you know, up in the mountains. Then said the Gure, put your hands up.
1: Well, maybe we'll find out what it's all if, happening. If
0: someone puts their hands up in that film, I, I own the film. It's mine.
1: Apparently this is the first in a trilogy of movies.
0: Uh Ooh, I have okay. no clue. Like it's one of those ones where it's like So unlike Friday, we're starting at the beginning. We're starting at the beginning. So
1: that is what we'll be watching. I'll we'll make sure to do include the uh, film title in the description of the episode as well as the year. I think it's two thousand and four, I do okay. believe. Then the second one's two thousand and four Eight, and then the third one's 2015 so it's like a real jump it's a real uh, uh, um, what's a similar trilogy I guess that does this thing like that uh, what's that one Do, is that a Doom type thing where the first two Doom movies came out relatively close to each other and the third one was a little later uh, yeah, I guess was that the case with Doom 3, or were they all pretty close uh, to doom, each other? doom 3
0: came out a bit
1: after. There you go. So this is a real Doom type of movie. Uh, that is all we've got. People, if you want to contact us, you can email
0: us at... Spitandpolished at gmail.com. That's the past tense of polish.
1: Uh, thank you. I thought we could say, and the password is... <laughs> uh, I, almost, I almost
0: said it as a joke, but I shouldn't.
1: Don't joke. Don't don't you joke on this podcast. This is a serious top 10 Polish podcast.
0: Thank you. It's password 111111111111111111111111. Penis.
1: Uh we are on your social media's of Facebook and Twitter at spit and polish presents. All of this is in the description of the episode. So feel free to use that to find us and contact us and follow us and grab us and kiss us and impregnate us and help us raise a baby together. Us. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is all I've got for you. Biotech, do you have anything you want to leave us off on? Last episode, you had a really profound thing to say. Anything silly this mm. time?
0: Yes, well, when you mentioned the thing about impregnating us, um, I was thinking back to earlier in the episode when you said the original PP thing and you talked about Julio. Um and so I was thinking of Julio when you said impregnate us, and I'm very feeling very confused now.
1: Is Julio our dad?
0: <laughs> yeah, can't you tell? Yeah, by all the toilets Julio has in his house. Now that's an in joke. Oh, that- but it's one that we've talked about in the podcast. Bartek's dad, Julio, has a lot of toilets. I wonder if Julio's listened to any episode where we talked about it. <laughs>
1: tough shit julio you have to listen from episode one onwards to find out the deep (laughs) toilet
0: lore and let me know because we didn't keep a list of all the references
1: Uh, it was in fat albert i know that for sure
0: fair enough